Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Revolution Recap. We are one week away from the 2021 MLS season opener, and the Revolution's preseason is wrapping up out in California. As we do every year, we are here to wrap up the preseason, give our thoughts about the team heading into the season, uh, and we are going to give some bold predictions on what you can expect from the team in 2021. I'm Greg Johnstone. Joining me today from the Bent Musket, the founder of the announced John Bell movement, it's Seth McComer. Seth, it's been a while. Great to have you back on. How are you doing? So happy to be here. Uh, I'm more of a Twitter Spaces guy now, but I am happy to jump on to uh, this uh, more old school technology, the podcast. Uh, very happy to be here with you and, and Chris, of course, to talk a little bit about the New England Revolution and John Bell. And John Bell, of course. And by the way, if you have not read it already, make sure you check out Seth McComer's article on John Bell, uh, which was published last week at the Bent Musket. It is a must read uh, for all of you listeners who cannot get enough John Bell content. So uh, please make sure you check that out. Uh, also joining me today, Chris Valukas. Chris, how are you doing today? Doing fantastic. Thanks. You know, uh, with no soccer since December 6th. And so now we're, you know, as of recording, we're eight days out from uh, the first meaningful match since then. So, yeah, I'm pretty stoked. And we're one day out from uh, the first any Revs 2 game. Their season opener is tomorrow, I believe. So uh, that's why we're getting done tonight, so I can watch that game tomorrow. Hopefully you're listening to this Saturday morning. If not, we already know the result on that game. But anyway, regardless, uh, before we get into kind of the preseason takeaways and bold predictions, I wanted to get Seth's takes on this offseason's acquisitions. This is the first time we've talked to him since last season. So Seth... Uh, I want to hear kind of your overall grade for the Revolution. Give them a grade on how they did this offseason. And, and was there anything else you expected the Revs to do or you wanted them to do? I mean, on paper, it looks like they did a lot of the things they were supposed to do. Um, now that we've seen a few preseason games, whether we actually watch them live or we try to follow along on whatever uh, coverage was offered on Twitter, uh, it's hard to know, right? I mean, we didn't really see much of Mafla. Uh, the highlights of Mafla so far was getting megged against uh, LAFC late in the game and then making a big stop uh, during a 60-minute uh, scrimmage. Um, so it's hard to know exactly what to expect from him. Um, I'm a little bit hopeful uh, because he's a guy that, that was once coached by Osario, who's obviously someone who played in MLS. So you imagine that uh, you know Osario ranked him quite highly for his versatility, for his speed. Those are things that you want from an attacking left back. Uh, so on paper, he looks pretty decent. Uh, Captoon, we have not seen anything of Captoon so far. Uh, again, someone who looked good on paper. Uh, one of the things I liked from the, the highlights I was seeing from him is his ability to hit the diagonal ball. Uh, so his ability to, you know, not only be a guy who can make a tackle, but also uh, distribute the ball. And especially for the Revolution, who like to tuck some of those midfielders uh, inside, like Carlos Heel, and get those outside backs forward. Someone that can hit a diagonal ball is really effective and really important. Uh, because, you know, with Brandon Byer on the right-hand side, I'll talk about him because we've seen more of him. Um, he really likes to hit that early ball in, so that means that he needs a little bit of space to, to be able to do something like that. So Captune, on, again, on paper, looks pretty good. Um, you know, obviously, for Trostasin, we haven't seen him because he's been on international duty. Uh, again, another player that highly recommended by Bruce Arena. Said, uh, Bruce Arena said he was the best fit 
uh, that they looked at multiple people and he was the best player, even maybe mentioning that he was a little bit more of a guy who can come inside and play make a little bit, which is kind of exciting because you know, you have those outside backs that like to get forward. Um, you know, he, he's had an assist against Liechtenstein, who, who's no Luxembourg, but obviously uh, certainly is a European team. Um, so to, to, to get an assist is, is exciting. Um, so, you know, paper, it, it looks really good. And, and to kind of just think about the roster construction as a whole, I think what's most exciting is that there's depth. And you've heard, I remember back in the Jay Heaps years, you heard about there's competition at every spot. There wasn't. You know, like the, the, the guys who kind of would, would compete, you just, they're around for a couple of years. You know, they, they, they weren't necessarily guys who were ready to start. So if Charleston is not ready, you know who we have right now? We have Buchanan. And a lot of people are very high on Buchanan to step in. Um, if, if you know, Captoon's not ready to go, then, you know, we have uh, Casado coming back. We have Maciel, who, who's earned a lot of praise uh, during this preseason. Uh, obviously, we have Polster there. I mean, Scott Caldwell is still a name that exists. Um, so there are options there. If left back, it's not Mafla. Um, I'd be surprised if it's Dewan Jones for the entire season. I mean, it's, it's really hard to be attacking left back if you're not left-footed. Um, but he has shown pretty well this preseason. He's been quite good this preseason. So I think what's exciting, and, and even in the center back position, which is probably like their, the place they lack the most depth, um, I would have loved for them to get an experienced guy. I think De La Garza is good. I've actually been pretty happy with De La Garza this preseason, showing that he, he still has some some uh, gas left in the tank. Um, so you have him. And then, I mean, John Bell is, is, is in, in all serious, I know that there's obviously some like, you know, uh, humor that comes along with John Bell, uh, but he's shown really well this preseason. And I would, I would argue that he is not a drop off from Delamea, who who made mistakes regularly, and Mancien, who again kind of made mistakes regularly. I mean, John Bell's a young player who's left footed, who can play center back with speed. And I don't know if you saw some of the highlights, but the guy has ups. Like he's the guy who can win headers. Um, so I think that. I don't know. I, I you can give them a, a B plus and A minus. I mean, it's hard to fully grade because we haven't seen the players play. Um, but I mean, there's lots of depth here, and there. I think also there's the last kind of hope here that if it's not good enough, that Bruce Arena will add someone in in midseason. He's even hinted that already. Yeah, I was just going to say, and I, I think I said it in a previous podcast, that the Revolution are in a position where they can add on another player, maybe not a designated player, but kind of like what we saw last year with Matt Polster and Tommy McNamara and Lee Wynn. They were very active in the summer window. I don't see any reason why they can't be active in the summer window. Um, they have at least two senior roster spots, probably three senior roster spots uh, and some allocation money left over. So um, they probably will be adding on in the summer as the year goes on. Uh, and yeah, it's very exciting to get excited about the depth. Um, really center back is the only issue that I kind of see. But as you said, if John Bell or Colin Verfruth, who who was signed last year, if one of them turn out to be a, a pretty solid player, uh, yeah, you, you just need someone to kind of back up or, or sorry, to kind of replace Tony De La Mea, because I, I don't think Mancien is really someone that, you know, is tough to, to fill his shoes. So, um, yeah, if, if someone is a solid third center back, whether it's De La Garza or John Bell um, or Verfuth, um, you know, this is a really, really solid team. So, um, Seth, give me your, your prediction right now. Where do the Revs finish in the Eastern Conference? I mean, these are always hard to, to, to say. Um, I'll go third in the Eastern Conference. I think that's a safe bet. Um, I think that the when I think about it, uh, a Bruce Arena team isn't necessarily built to win the Supporters' Shield because he understands 
that you have to get your best soccer going during um, the off season. So I think that like you'll you'll see him get his team together, get them working hard, give them rest when they need to have rest, and the, the goal is just to get things going during um, during the postseason. And I remember talking to you, Greg, last year uh, after Carlos Heel's injury, and, and you know asking this question of like, how concerned are we about Carlos Hill? How concerned are we about his injury? And I remember saying like, I'm not that concerned because as long as he comes back um, at some point this season, they're going to be okay. And, and we saw that happen. Like the revs weren't very good for most of the season. I remember even coming back and being like, yeah, this team is not very good. And in the end, they, they snuck into the playoffs. You know, they, they wouldn't have made a playoffs correct in a normal year because they, they, they snuck in on a, the expanded playoffs. Um, and then they did really well. I mean, they they could have gone to MLS Cup. They could have won MLS Cup. So I think that, you know, you look at a Columbus crew, you look at a Atlanta United. I mean, there's some teams out there that, that seem pretty good. And I think that uh, third seems like a good expectation. This is a pretty solid team with Matt Turner, Carlos Heel, you know, Gustavo Bo, um, some good game-winning players. I think that third is a reasonable expectation, but I, I'd look more towards making the playoffs and then seeing what happens in the postseason. Yeah, and there'll certainly be a lot of strengthened East teams. Uh, not On top of the teams you listed, can't forget about Inter-Miami, who has four DPs. I mean, they're just completely breaking all the rules uh, just to dominate MLS. So let's move on to preseason. And as you kind of alluded to, Seth, we've seen kind of some limited clips. We've only seen two preseason games and kind of some highlight packages and stuff like that. But, uh, Chris, I'm going to go to you first. What, what is your key takeaway from what you've seen in, in preseason so far? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely been limited minutes like you were saying but um basically what i'm seeing is we still have a lot of work to do as far as chemistry goes it still looks a little bit like last year there was a bit of a disconnect with the offense but it is preseason and that's what that's for a lot of young guys have been stepping up and you know seth mentioned it before too john bell and maciel uh in particular those guys there was also uh connor presley who has been a bit up and down for me in the preseason i know i believe he went back to play with the revs too for tomorrow's match but uh connor presley actually you know he really impressed being able to cross the ball in the way that he was um from that when whenever whenever he was making attacking runs so uh he definitely gets a nod from me uh but then you know maciel showing that he's comfortable and ready to compete with um the best that mls has to offer i mean on paper i guess right with chicharito up there he didn't really miss a beat um and up against the la defense as well you know he he performed really well and he just looked comfortable and natural out there yeah Maciel is certainly one of the uh, big positives uh, in this preseason I think his stock is rising a ton uh, in, the, in the first season before we get to a listener question on Maciel I want to go to you Seth uh, do you have any key takeaways from this preseason that we haven't touched on yet yeah I liked what uh, Chris said about the the chemistry and the offensive third um, I think that one thing for me with Buxa, Buxa is that uh, he is someone who's just been slightly off during his time. It feels like he, he's almost there for the right run or he almost makes the right pass. It's just been a little bit off. Um, and he, I saw some of that in the preseason games uh, so far. Meanwhile, Carlos Hill and Gustavo Bow, I mean, these guys look like they've been playing their whole entire life together. Like, it's incredible to me to see a through ball to like a diagonal run that Gustavo Bow is, is making. And it's just like, they just read each other so, so well. Um, and, and I think there's cause for optimism where, you know, Adam got uh, a few goals during uh, preseason, but even, you know, the most recent one that he got 
where, you know, the ball gets crossed in and missed Tommy McNamara. And, and he, he gets there, but it doesn't feel like the type of goal that's guaranteed to happen. You know, like it, it's, it's labeled, I believe, on revolutionsoccer.net as his, like, instincts as a finisher come into play. And, and I guess I hope that that's the case. But when I imagined Dewan Jones sitting at a cross and him finishing it, I imagined him making the perfect run where he, like, slots it in. It's like, that's just perfect. That's great timing. That's the, the fox in the box type of stuff that you want. Uh, so I, I just wonder a little bit about that. I, I, I'm optimistic because I think playing with Carlos Heel makes everyone better. I mean, I think that, like, Carlos Heel is just going to make everyone get goals and, and, and put themselves in a good position because he also occupies so many defenders. Uh, and I also think that uh, Buxa has good feet. We, we've seen him create some goals for himself. But I still wonder, like, where that chemistry comes from, that he makes the, the perfect run to finish off that ball. Um, and the last thing I'll say here real quick, I, there was a great play where he actually came back and won the ball, and uh, it eventually gets to the right-hand side where the ball is played in early by uh, Brandon Bay, and it gets finished by Gustavo Bo. I mean, that's really promising stuff by, by the big man as well. So there's promising stuff there, but I just wonder if he's the DP forward that this team needs to win MLS Cup. Like, I think he can do well enough, but I don't know if he's the the MLS Cup winning forward, uh, but we'll see. Yeah, and this is a big year for Adam Buchsa too. Year one, I think we can give him a pass with COVID and, you know, having to kind of build that chemistry uh, in, in very difficult circumstances where players had to train individually throughout the season or in small groups and, you know, all that type of stuff. Uh, you know, there's really not a whole lot of excuses this year. We're going into year two. The offense seems to be pretty stacked. So um, obviously Trostison's going to be coming in a little bit late uh, a few weeks into the season. But all things considered, uh, this is a really big put up or shut up year for Adam Buxa. So a lot of pressure on his shoulders. Uh, I do want to go back to Masiel for a second, and, and I want to uh, go to you on this one, Seth. But Masiel, one of the big stories of preseason, um, we did get a question saying uh, from Mocha on Twitter. He says, should Masiel start next to Matt Polster based on how he looks in preseason? Um, yes or no, do you think he should start? And, and what do you think his role is on the senior team? Um, Maybe. I, I think what's hard is that preseason um, – the game's different in preseason, right? It's about fitness. It's about um, getting some of that chemistry down. And I think you saw in, in, in some of like the, the, the revolution games that we watched, like they would push numbers forward and there wasn't necessarily that cohesion between like the defense and the midfield and the forwards. It could be a little bit end to end. And I'm thinking of one of the goals that was, was scored against them. It was basically a quick transition and um, the opponent scored it's just a different type of game. And I think that we can all look back at preseason games and be like, you know what? Like so-and-so did so well during the preseason. They're going to be a legit player. But the fact of the matter is different. I mean, Timmy Mulgrew, you know that name. He, he scored a goal during preseason at one point. Um, and people were like, okay, like this guy could be someone. And, and, and you know, he, he goes and I, I think he ended up playing for the Rochester Rhinos at one point. Uh, and, and, you know, he doesn't end up really making a mark in the first team. I think it's a little bit different, of course, because he was a Revolution 2 player. He's pretty calm on the ball. John Bell, who obviously we have a lot of respect for, calls him an absolute player, absolute baller. Um, so I think there's there's you know there's praise as him as a calming force in the middle. Um, but is he the one to start in there versus a captain? Because I imagine Polster kind of has an inside track right now. Is he the one to start there over uh, a captain? Probably on week one, he's not going to be ready. But you imagine at some point he starts there. Casado's probably not ready week one. 
Uh, but you still have like a Tommy McNamara. You still have uh, Scott Caldwell, maybe more veteran presence in the middle. Um, I'm all for it. I mean, I think that, you know, he, he's a good player. He's a solid player. He's able to keep the ball moving. He's able to – what I really liked about him was his positioning, that he saw like the other midfielder and he's like, oh, I have to be here in order to cover or in order to block these passing lanes. So he seems like a very smart individual. Uh, I'm just not sure if he's going to be a week one starter, but I'm not totally against the idea. Yeah, and I just want to take a side note here to talk about Timothy Mulgrew a little bit, just because once his name comes up, I want to throw out the knowledge. Uh, I believe he was on the 2015 USL Cup champion, Rochester Rhinos, so we can't write him off as a total bust. He certainly did contribute uh, to a winning atmosphere out there in western New York, along with other uh, Revolution uh, super draft pick, uh, Tyler Rudy. Uh, so, yeah, very uh, very good reference there on, on Timothy Mulgrew. Um, moving back to Maciel, Chris, I, I want to get your thoughts on Maciel and where he kind of fits on the Revs depth chart right now. Yeah, I mean, we're looking week one. I, I, I'm with Seth. I don't think he's going to be starting week one. And if we're looking at the players that we have available, I, I would have to say, you know, it's probably Tommy Mack that goes in there. Arena likes the guys that that have um, the experience playing. And, you, you know, week one MLS, you probably don't want to run out a very green player um i think mcnamara probably fits that bill pretty well for him obviously we haven't seen cap Tume out there yet and then caicedo um as seth mentioned too uh we don't really know what his fitness level is going to be like week one so um yeah week one i'm, I'm going tommy mack is probably going to be the guy maciel at some point um i think he'll be i wouldn't say a regular starter but we will regularly see appearances from him uh he wasn't brought onto the first team to take up an international spot to not play. Um, and I think that we have seen so far from, you know, his minutes that we've seen in the preseason, uh, he has the ability and um, I, I don't see any reason why he's not going to get, um, you know, fairly significant minutes overall um, in 2021. Yeah. And, and one thing that's interesting is that Captoom has had limited minutes in preseason. Um, Luis Caicedo, they seem to be easing back into the season very, very softly. Um, I'm not totally sure if he is still having injury issues or whatnot, but it seems like those two players are, are kind of coming back very slowly and might not be at 100% for week one. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised to see Maciel make a debut in week one or week two early in the season um, because they obviously central midfield, there's a lot of depth, but I'm not sure there's going to be that depth in week one. So I don't know about starting him right away. As you said, Seth, preseason's preseason. It's a little bit more about fitness and you're not necessarily going up against the most intense focused competition. Um, so I, I, I don't want to read too, too much into it, um, but it's very, very clear from what Bruce Arena says uh, and, and from what we've seen that um, Maciel is going to have some sort of role on this team going into 2021 we did get a question from a listener who said what do you think is bruce's current depth chart at central midfield and uh and do you agree with him he says that bruce's depth chart for him is probably polster captoom maciel caicedo and caldwell um i think he left off mcnamara there's a limit on twitter so i'll give him a break um and he says i i think i agree with that but want to see luis uh get more minutes than polster um i i kind of agree i think his his starting pair is polster and captoom um, and then probably Tommy McNamara is your third uh, central midfielder. Um, and then Maciel, Caicedo, Caldwell. I really don't know where they all rank. Caicedo really has not played with Bruce Arena, under Bruce Arena a whole lot since he was hurt last year. And we don't know what his condition is going to be. Um, 
I, I think that's a complete toss-up. But I think Polster, Captoom, and Tommy McNamara, if totally healthy, those are, are going to be kind of your three primary central midfielders. And then I think the other three will kind of be circling in um, situationally. Um, Seth, any any objections to that one? The, the, only, thing I, the only thing I would add is um, I think Caldwell is kind of low on the depth chart uh, for, for Bruce Arena because – um, remember when Bruce Arena first came in, he was someone that wasn't getting a lot of opportunities. He ended up starting uh, the playoff game, I believe, because uh, Casado was out, and he got pulled early in that game. And we saw that a few times that you know when when Caldwell was given the start, he get pulled early, and then he did like get himself back in favor um, as time went on. But I just think that uh, I think that he's a great person to have on the team. I think that he's a great locker room presence. I think he's a good option from time to time. But I just don't think that. Uh, arena imagines him playing as a midfielder on a, uh, a MLS cup winning team. Um, I think that, uh, I think Massiel does have a, a decent chance of moving himself up the jump chart because of his positioning. Casado is someone who kind of chases a little bit um, and he has a lot of energy and he's great for that high pressing system. Um, but I, I do wonder, you know, where he'll end up on the depth chart. I'm a big fan of Casado, but I do wonder where he'll end up on the depth chart. Um, with, with Bruce Arena, he loves to play defense first. He loves to make sure that his teams play really tight. So he wants to make sure some of those defensive midfielders are, are very sound positionally. So Casado will want to make sure that he does that if he wants to get into Bruce Arena's uh, game day 18 or starting 11. And I think Casado would be a good matchup if you're having, say, Tayon Buchanan on the right as a right wing back and having Tayon push up and really trying to cause havoc on that right side. Caicedo is a person that can easily cover that space uh, and, and kind of be kind of defensive minded in that uh, kind of vein. So um, Chris, any thoughts on that uh, central midfield depth chart you want to add? Not much. I mean, it's, it's messy, you know, uh, Bruce is in what, I don't, I don't know really how to word it, but it's just like, it's, it's a really complicated situation that he's really lucky to find himself in because uh, I don't think, you can really go wrong with anyone that you're going to be rolling out. Of course, you're going to have better players than others, but uh, I think overall we, as the revolution, have a very solid midfield, uh, and there's just so much depth. I mean, Seth mentioned it earlier. There's so much, uh, at least on paper, depth too, that you know we'd probably need an entire ream of paper to go through all the potential. It's just it's it's pretty stacked there. So. A few years ago, I, I think we defended and, and argued for a Luis Caicedo, Scott Caldwell central midfield, and now we're talking about them as if they're the fifth and sixth uh, central midfielders on the team. So a uh, pretty exciting time. It's a good problem for Bruce Arena to have. One thing that is coming up, though, I, I kind of mentioned, Captoom not playing. And actually, there's a few other players. Uh, Mafla has been limited in preseason, too, although he's made some appearances over the past couple of games. And then Trostason will not be arriving. I think he's arriving this weekend. Uh, he needs to quarantine for seven days. And then, obviously, he needs to get caught up to speed with uh, the team. So who knows if he's even going to be starting in the home opener. It might take him a few weeks to hit the ground running. Um, Chris, uh, I want your thoughts if there's any you know reason for concern, specifically on Captoom, and your thoughts on the lack of minutes uh, for the big three signings so far. That's a question from Revolution Report, by the way. Thank you for the question. But uh, Chris, take it away. Not so much, I guess, with, with Mafla. Uh, my my concern is more with Captoom and uh, what sort of player are we getting? How fragile is he? I mean, we heard that Mafla was going to be the fragile one, right? Is it Glass Legs? I think his nickname was. Um, but Captoom is the player that we're not seeing out on the pitch, and yeah, that has me a bit concerned. Uh, Trasson, he's just finished playing in Icelandic football. I, I don't remember what the tournament was. That there was a World Cup qualifying, maybe. But yeah, I mean, he's he's getting minutes. He's fit. Um, he was already practicing with with Malmo, getting ready for their season. 
so I'm not concerned with Trousterson whenever he get, comes in and gets integrated. But yeah, my, my concern is definitely with Captoom. And are we going to have another player that's going to be just injured all the time where we're expecting them to be out there? I've tried to think of the name and it's eluding me so much right now. Um, uh, while being injured. being injured. Yes, Kuasi. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And that's who I'm thinking of. That's that's what's I'm having Kuasi flashbacks right now where Kuasi seemed to always be injured. Yeah, Kwasi arrived with a uh, torn ACL, so he, he's certainly one of the bigger uh, DP busts uh, in recent Revs memory, and I don't think it was totally his fault. I think it was just kind of bad luck on the Revs part. Mm-hmm. But um, Seth, what about you? Any concern about Captoom uh, or the other two signings in Mafla and Trostason for their lack of minutes in preseason? Yeah, I mean, I am and I'm not concerned. I mean, I'm not concerned because the season is long, and like I mentioned before, as long as Bruce Arena finds his starting 11 by the end of the year, um, the guy does really well in, in the postseason. He kind of figures things out. Um, so I'm not quite worried yet. I am worried in the sense that I view this year or next year to be the years the Revs have to win the MLS Cup. I mean, Bruce Arena is, is 69 years old. Uh, I imagine that he took this job with the understanding that he's trying to cement his legacy. You know, like that that he doesn't want the last memory of himself being – uh, guiding the, the U.S. men's national team to that loss against Trinidad, Trinidad and Tobago. So to come to um, the New England Revolution, who has you know, been a team that constantly underperforms, that sometimes ranks very low in terms of ambition. If you all want to think about you know, Grant Wall's ambition rankings, it was constantly the revs towards the bottom. Um, so he's come in, and at first he was talking about the roster not being that good, but he actually overperforms that first year after taking over with Friedel. Last year was a weird season because of COVID, because of heel, still ends up doing pretty well. And now you have a roster that is built to win. I mean, how many more years is Matt Turner going to be here? How long is Carlos Heel going to be here? How long is Buchanan going to be here? Um, Bo's going to get older. You know, like he's not necessarily the youngest player. Uh, Kessler might get looks from people if, if he continues to perform well and, and be that type of uh, young you know, uh, defender, uh, center back. So, you know, I think that like you have to get those signings right. And if Mafla flops at left back, fine. Dewan Jones takes over there. But you had Bootner last year and Mafla this year. How many left backs do you sign that don't work out uh, before it's like, well, maybe the system isn't working? Um, and Captoon, if, if Captoon's brought in as a defensive midfielder and it ends up being, you know, somebody else that starts there, fair enough. But like, that's kind of a flop of a signing too. Um, I don't think it's, it, we're ready to call those things flops by any means, but you want your signings that come in to solidify those holes to be starters. That's kind of their purpose. And, uh, you know, everyone's, the, the, the ratings are still out when it comes to Buxa. So that's another player that like did Bruce Arena bring in the right guy. So with Bruce Arena, he came here to win. And, and he has to make sure those guys are – the guys he's bringing in are on the field, healthy, ready to go. So I'm not worried yet, but I, I think it's worth mentioning that um, he has to get some of those guys right in order to build that confidence, in order to win a championship this year or next year. I, I don't know if we – I mentioned this in a few podcasts ago or if, if I said this off air, but if you think about the New England Revolution going into the 2023 season, it could be a completely different core – is Matt Turner there? Like you said, is Teon Buchanan there? Um, you know, is Carlos Hill here? Um, is he healthy? Is Gustavo Bo here? Is he healthy? What's going on with Adam Buxa? Because I think Buxa 
I think he has two more options or one more. I think he's got a four-year deal too. Um, so, you know, is Buxa here? Is Trostas in here? There, there's a lot of questions, and, and you're right. They're really building for a win-now team. Um, so you're not going to get many bites at the apple. Uh, you need to fill in the squad and, and bring in these depth pieces. And they made these signings early. Uh, they made the Mafla signing in December, and they made the Captoom signing in December. I know Trostason was a few weeks ago, but that was rumored for, for a few weeks and whatnot. So you need the role players or, you know, uh, uh, starters like Captoom, who, who allegedly he's a starter, and, and Mafla, who's going to be a starter. You need them to um, kind of fulfill their role and, and kind of do their job. Um, and, and if they don't, there's going to be an issue. So, um, yeah, I, I'm kind of with you. I'm not totally hitting the alarm on Captoom yet, but uh, there is Kawasi flashbacks and you, you certainly hope he fills. And the reason, another reason too, I'm not worried about Captoom too much is I just feel there's so much depth there at central midfield. And like you said, if Mopla is another bust, I, I feel fine with Dewan Jones playing left back. He played there all postseason last time and they were perfectly fine. Um, but as you say, Bruce needs to hit on some of these guys for us to uh, win MLS cup. He set the bar pretty high by signing Bo as the first thing he did. Yeah, and Bo, Bo went off on that uh, scoring streak uh, really early in 2019. He scored like 10 goals in 12 games or whatever it was. But yep. I don't think it was that much. I think it was like 7 and 10. But anyway, regardless, regardless. Bold prediction time, guys. Uh, we did bold predictions the last two years. Um, we got some good predictions from our listeners here. We'll start with Cam saying John Bell will win a starting spot by the end of the season, which, Seth, you kind of alluded to a little bit earlier. I like that one. We're big John Bell guys. Go John Bell. Uh, Chris Creighton says Renix will come out of his shell to prove he deserves a spot on the team before his contract runs out. I'm not sure what his contract status is, but I think this is a big uh, make-or-break year for Renix. We also got another uh, bold prediction from quite a big Revs fan saying Renix is a bust. Well, let, let's go there. I don't know if you guys have a bold prediction about Justin Renix, but Seth, Justin Renix is, is apparently going with uh, Revs 2 to their preseason game in Hartford and is apparently going to be starting the season with Revs 2. Um, do you think Justin Renix makes any sort of impact with the team this year? What's your outlook on him this year? Yeah, I thought it was interesting that Bruce Arena gave him some time late in the, the season, uh, in the postseason last year. Um, those were big minutes to give away to, to kind of a guy who hasn't really proven it um, much. I mean, even when he was loaned out uh, to the championship, he, he wasn't doing well in USL. Um, I believe he went to North Carolina with Dave, Dave Sarakin. Um, yeah, so he didn't really do well there. He did do pretty well with Revs too, uh, which probably you know, boosts the confidence and gives – you know, arena, some, some hope that he'll be a guy there. Uh, it's hard to imagine where he fits in with the revolution first team. I mean, uh, I think at this point you have Buxa and then behind him is probably Bunbury as a striker. I mean, he's a guy who has amazing wheels who will press all the time. He seems like he, you know, no matter how much the haters are out there, uh, he's going to be someone that's probably coming off the bench to be either on the wing or up top. Uh, there's been a lot of praise for Kizza. Um, as being a guy who can finish. So you have to, if you're Renex, you have to beat him out. Um, I, I think that he has to do well with Revs too, like before he kind of jumps in and becomes a, a, a first team uh, regular. Um, and I was thinking about it, you know, this year, it's going to be hard to make the game day 18. That That's a, that's a pretty stacked um, 18 to kind of bust into. Even if you think about John Bell, who I'm a big fan of, um, and he even admitted to himself, you know, during my interview, he said that he was kind of told that he'll probably play Revs two minutes. Um, that was before, that was only after the first preseason game. So obviously now he's kind of gained more confidence and, and he's had more reps. So maybe Bruce Arena is thinking something else at this point. Um, but John Bell was like, you know, if you look at this team, it's going to be hard to make the 18. You know, you have room for, for a goalkeeper, two or three defenders, 
you have lots of attackers. Um, so Justin Renix is going to have to beat out some people if he's even going to make the game to 18. So definitely a make or break year for him. If I'm going to uh, push one way or the other, I'm going to say that he, he's more likely to be someone who who's leaving revs um, this year or next year, as opposed to solidifying his position with the revs. Yep. You're definitely getting a Nick Firmino, Isaac Anking vibe where he's kind of on the outside looking in. And and this to me is a make or break year. I thought last year was a bit of a make or break year for him. Um, I think if he's getting the majority of his minutes at Revs 2, um, that, that is not a really good sign for him uh, going forward. Um, Chris, anything to add on Renix? Yeah, I mean, just looking at the bowl prediction piece of it, I mean, I think it's hard to predict that he's going to be a bust when I I don't think that he's been very successful to begin with. Um, I think, you know, Chris Creighton had a, has a good bold prediction on it, I guess, you know, if you want to go something wild and out there, the fact that he's going to solidify a spot because, you know, like Seth mentioned, there's too much depth. You know, we have Buxa, Bunbury, and, uh, and Kiza is supposed to be, um, you know, the best, the best attacker coming out of the draft, according to Bruce Arena. So uh, he has his work cut out for him. I think he's going to be more of a USL championship type career guy. Yeah, and, and it's hard to say Books is going to break out of his shell and Kiz is going to break out of his shell and Renex is going to break out of his shell. If Buxa breaks out of his shell, I mean, I don't even know if Kiza or Renex sees the, the field too much. Uh, and you could say, well, Renex could play the wing, but there's so many wingers on this team. Uh, you know, is, is Renex going to play more than Emma Boaktang? I, I, I don't think so. So uh, quite a big Revs fan also had a bold prediction of Buxa scoring 10 goals and is sold to Europe by midseason. Uh, he also adds Captoon being a flop at first, but then finds his footing as the season goes on. Uh, Macho says Teon scores more than Gustavo Bo, uh, which is a... Actually, I kind of like that prediction, and I think that's a pretty spicy take when you read it at first, but I, I really like that one uh, as well. Raleigh Revs fan says Buxa with 15 goals, Teon super sub slash spot starter on wing slash right back, depending on opponent slash situation. He says Revs finished third to fifth in East. Uh, I kind of agree with all that. Hopefully we can get Buxa to 15 goals. Uh, and then Mike Kennedy says Rev finish, Revs finished third in East uh, behind New York City and Columbus. Uh, win the East, upset New York City FC in the Bronx, and lose MLS Cup 2-1 to one to Portland. Kessler, Defender of the Year. Kizza is Rookie of the Year equivalent. Uh, so a lot, of, a lot of good positive things there uh, from Mike. I want to go back to Buxa really quickly because I know a few years ago, Seth, we did the over-under on Juan Fernando Caicedo uh, goals. Uh, famously, I made it five, and we, we went back and forth on that all season. I want to hear you give me an over-under line on Adam Buxa goals scored this season. 9.5 seems like a decent decent number to go with. Uh, and, I, and I would go – I actually like the, the prediction of 10. I think that if Carlos Heal plays the entire year, um, Buxka seems pretty – a guy that, that's that's healthy quite a bit. Um, you know, he was out there – and I think the other thing is that his teammates really like him. Uh, somebody asked me on Twitter at some point, like, what's going on with this guy? Do the teammates like him? And, and they support him through and through. I asked it a few times. They're like, oh, we trust him. We believe in him. And I think even when you saw him come back – to, to the training grounds, like they were throwing water, they were all joyous that he was back with the team. And I think that like 10, 10 goals is not necessarily great for your starting striker, um, but I think it's doable. And I think that with with Bo and, and some other pieces, that's enough to, to certainly get you in the playoffs and maybe even go even further. Um, and he actually did pretty well in the playoffs last year. So, I mean, it d- depends on, I, I mean, I'm, I think 9.5 is like a decent line to put on. Um, you could go higher, certainly, because, I mean, if I'm putting 9.5, I already say higher. 
Um, maybe you want to put it more at like a, a 12.5 or a 13.5 uh, to make the choice a little bit harder. But I think 10 to me seems pretty reasonable for this guy. Yeah, I, I was going to put it around 11.5. Um, just because he, I mean, I'm sure you know about the expected goal stat. I think it's, it shows that he had his chances. He just couldn't convert and whether that's cause he's bad or cause of luck, we'll, we'll find out. But Till Bunbury scored eight times last season. I think Buxo will get more of those, you know, some of those chances, uh, from Bunbury cause they kind of did a bit of a rotation last year and Buxo still scored six goals in a hundred and, uh, or sorry, 1500 minutes last year. Uh, so I, I'm going to be a little bit uh, more bullish than you. I'm going to move up to 11.5 as my over/under. Chris, where do you fall on this one? We want to go. Let's go bullish, right? Because I'm saying I'm I'm right there with Riley Rose fans. Um, I'd put the line at 15. You know, we got what 37 games. Um, Ed, if he could score every other game, you know, you know that would put him right at about the 15. Actually, over 15 actually. But um, I. I think his preseason's gone really well, and uh, you know, back to the postseason last year, it was also very strong for him. It showed um, the style of soccer that he's more comfortable playing. Uh, but then, you know, this preseason, you know, he's already scored I think two goals, and then he's got two other ones that were uh, offsides and marginally offside ones, but they were still solid finishes. It shows that you know he's got his feet on this year. Um, I think that there's no reason to think he couldn't put in 15, assuming he's healthy. But you know, if you're playing a line, yeah, I'd. I, I guess if I was betting over under 11.5 is probably the one that I would be hung up on where I don't know if I'd bet over or under, but uh, for the sake of my argument and you know, my love of Buxa, I'm going 15. Yeah. Maybe I want maybe I want to be the optimist by putting nine, uh, 9.5. So that all of us said <laughs> over, uh, but I forgot when you make odds, you actually want to make it difficult to decide over or under. Yeah. That's right. Well, MGM opened up the revs at uh, 16 to one to win the Eastern conference final, which was an absolutely ridiculous line. So it wouldn't be the first time that someone is underestimating the revolution. Um, now it's time for our bold predictions. I'll start with mine and then Chris, I'll go to yours in a second. Then Seth, you can give us ours. But uh, my bold prediction for the season is that Gustavo Bo will end the season in a super sub role. Taeyeon Buchanan is going to play his way into a full-time starter, uh, and Gustavo Bo is essentially going to be the odd man out in that 4-2-3-1 formation, and he kind of comes off on as a 30-minute uh, man to, to come on and get a goal. Uh, so that's my, my bold prediction. I'm also going to say, if the Revolution disappoint this year, this is a spicy one, if the Revolution disappoint, Matt Turner will be loaned to a Premier League team over the summer on a six-month loan. If the Revolution season goes haywire and they fall to ninth place by June, I think a Premier League team comes in, offers them a pretty decent loan fee, and Matt Turner gets his uh, European experience. Because you know he wants to go over there and play there, uh, but the Revolution keeps signing him to contract extensions, so he seems to want to stay. So I think the Revs, if uh, the season kind of goes haywire and uh, they they don't seem to be in the running for MLS Cup, I think they let Matt Turner go over, boost his stock, uh, and and see where that goes. So, Chris, your bold predictions. The reps have always wanted one thing, right? And it's some hardware. And my prediction is that we are actually going to get some much eluded hardware. That's right. The 2021 U.S. Open Cup is what the revs are going to be winning this year. And uh, we're going to find out really soon whether or not we even have a chance. I don't see any reason why they don't qualify for the tournament. And then what tournament, what year has the tournament ever been more primed for the revolution to make a run? So, I'll, you know, all they have to do is qualify. And once they qualify, I see no reason that they they cannot win this um, and actually put an open cup trophy in their cabinet. And you want to go for a second prediction. I was going to say Brennan by is going to be uh, MLS best 11 right back. 
Ooh, that's a spicy one. Uh, I just want all of our listeners to tweet at Chris in case the reps don't make the qualification for the Open Cup. Uh, the second that happens, everyone tweet at Chris and tell him his bold prediction was terrible. Yeah. Uh, Seth, give me your bold predictions. Uh, I really like the, the bow one. The bow one uh, interests me quite a bit because uh, I've always kind of said that I, I view him a little bit of as a luxury player. I think he's obviously very talented, but I think that um, he's someone who, who kind of disappears sometimes in games. And we saw that in the playoffs last year that uh, he, he doesn't necessarily play enough defense. He doesn't necessarily hold up the ball. He just kind of finds those spaces. So that's kind of a fun one. Uh, the, the buy one's kind of fun as well. I, I'll make mine that the Revolution will sign a striker um, during the, the summer transfer window. Uh, Busa will not hit the, the 9.5 uh, line, and uh, Bruce Arena will want to uh, upgrade there in order to make sure that he makes the playoffs and makes it around the, the postseason. And maybe my, my other bold prediction uh, will be that uh, Tejon Buchanan uh, ends up playing as, as an attacking right back. Uh, there's been all this, this promise that he's a midfielder, he's a midfielder, he's a midfielder, but maybe uh, he ends up being that guy at the end of the season that serves as the attacking right back. Although Brandon Bai has been pretty good during the, the, the preseason here. Yeah, I don't know. I'll go with those two. I do want to add before we move on that last year's predictions, you nailed it, Seth. You said the Revs will sign a starter this summer, whether it be a center back or defensive midfielder. Um, so you got that one, nailed it on the head. And then you said if it isn't bold enough, Diego gets traded during the summer window. Um, didn't That one did not happen, but it basically happened. Diego ended up leaving. So you get points for your bold predictions last year. I said five goals for Justin Rennix, and that looks wrong. But I didn't specify if it would be with Revs 1 or Revs 2. So I'm also taking credit for getting my bold prediction right. I think I was one off. Uh, other bold predictions last year, just to kind of go through them really quickly. Uh, David Civilian says, said uh, Jones and Kessler will be locked in as starters by the end of the season. And Rivera will rotate as a late sub and spot starter. So I'd give him two for three uh, on that one. Uh, I don't think there were any others that were hits. We had a lot of 30 goal, 30 assists plateaus, which I don't think we can really grade too too much because, um, you know, Bo, Heel, Buxa get 50 goals. Uh, Pania, Bo, Buxa, Heel, 50 goals, 50 assists. We can't really compare those since uh, we didn't get a full season. And I don't, I don't think those were going to hit. Regardless, uh, we did get one that was a stadium announcement before the 2021 season. That one's a no. Uh, so, But uh, David wins the best bold prediction of our listeners last year with uh, Jones and Kessler's locked in as starters uh, by the end of the year. So I give them full points for that one. Uh, I do want one more bold prediction from you guys, and this is going to be off the top of your heads here. We didn't prep this one at all, so I I want the answer. I'm coming to you first, Seth. Um, Give me one player that will not finish with the Revolution this season. So one player that is either released or traded during the 2021 season. Wow. Uh, Thank you for not putting that on the the prep sheet at all. I'm just saying I'm going straight to you. Uh, it would have been nice maybe to, to say the question and then say my name. So uh, I had a little bit of time to kind of think about it. We, we can stall. Chris, give me yours. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm panicking too. Um, gosh, I don't know. Is it... All right. Fine. And it's going to be kind of ridiculous for me to say it because I just said that he's going to be the, the, the wing back, the right wing back. But I don't know. Tejon Buchanan. I think if, if someone makes a legitimate offer for Tejon Buchanan, I think the ref should say yes. Uh, because if, if Charleston truly is the midfielder that should be there, then where's Buchanan's spot? Um, and if you can get good money for him, like versus, I think Matt, Matt um, Turner, you can't sell Matt Turner. I, I think unless it's an absurd, like ridiculously absurd amount of money, you really can't sell him uh, because he's a game-changing player. Buchanan, 
it's hard to know if he's definitely going to be a, a starter in MLS this season, next season. Um, so I think that that's one. I think maybe uh, Scott Caldwell, um, you know, he's, he's similar to, to the position that um, Diego was in last year. Like where exactly is his role? And, and if someone really kind of sees him as uh, someone who can kind of fill in some minutes, maybe you, you trade him as a MLS veteran um, who, can, who can like plug in some spots. Um, and I'm maybe a Dewan Jones, if, if Mafla ends up being someone who's definitely a starter, then, you know, I think a lot of teams will want Dewan Jones. I even heard at one point, um, David Goss saying that he thought Dewan Jones could get called up to, to the U S men's national team this summer, which I thought was a pretty bold prediction. So there are people that, that rank Dewan Jones. I think the problem with all of those predictions is that you want depth on this team. If you're going to be a championship winning team. So the idea of getting rid of Tejan, then all of a sudden your 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 depth drops a little bit. If you get rid of Jones, your your depth drops a little bit. I think Caldwell is a pretty safe bet that like it doesn't doesn't really bother you as much. Or or Casado the same type of thing. If 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 he's on the outside looking in, then maybe you can trade someone like that. I mean, you think of like a Wilford Zahibo last year. Uh, he gets traded, and and you know at first we're like, ah, oh, that's a big guy that you're going to be missing. But like. He didn't really do anything in Houston, and and, and he ends up playing for a lower-tier uh, team um, over in Europe. So I think that maybe those, that defensive midfield position is somewhere that the most likely trade is going to happen unless something comes in that's pretty sizable. If someone really comes in with a Dewan Jones offer or really comes in with a Buchanan offer, um, maybe maybe you have to say yes. Yeah, I, I got to say, my uh, the obvious answer I think has to be what Tejan because that's where all the rumors are right now. Uh, but then you know, my first instinct went straight to Dewan, Dewan Jones, but I, I couldn't pull the trigger and say his name because I don't think that it would actually happen. I mean, he he is too valuable right now to the Revolution, providing uh, so much versatility and depth. Um, and so I kind of I, I took a second to think about it, but uh, I, I settled on Brad Knighton. There's got to be a team out there that's going to be looking for a keeper late on. Uh, the Revs have uh, Joe Rice coming up from Revs 2, possibly. Um, he looks like a very solid keeper. We're going to have to think about a Turner replacement. But, uh, you know, we also have uh, Earl Edwards Jr. now that was just brought in. Uh, I could see Brad Knighton being expendable and uh, going somewhere when uh, some team has an injury or something like that. Someone needs a goalkeeper. Uh, Knighton might be uh, the option to go. The one name I'll add, although you mentioned it in passing, Seth, I think Luis Caicedo might be the Wilfred Zahibo of the season. Uh, you know, Luis Caicedo coming off of injury, he might get limited minutes here and there. He might look really, really well, uh, but he takes an international roster spot. There's a lot of depth uh, in that central midfield role. Um, I think Scott Caldwell is a good shout, too. The, re- the thing I-, I lean Caicedo over Scott Caldwell is one, the international spot, and two, Scott Caldwell is on the supplemental roster, not the senior roster. I don't think that really plays too, too much of a... a um, an impact on it here, but I just think Luis Caicedo being younger, he might have a little bit more of a higher stock. Uh, and, and if the Revs need to bring in an international um, signing during the season, I think that might be the way they end up going and, and getting rid of that international spot. But um, good answers. I, I intentionally sprung that on you because I wanted the answer off the top of your head. Really, really good stuff from you guys. Uh, and Dewan Jones too. Actually, I, I do want to say too, I want to add on to your point, uh, Seth, about um, MLS pundits really rate Dewan Jones very highly. 
um, Joe Lowry of the MLS Assist Podcast. They were they were building their uh, best eleven uh, Eastern Conference and Western Conference uh, formations and stuff like that last year. And he added Dewan Jones at left back, and Dewan Jones wasn't even starting for him. Uh, he thinks he's going to be a really good wing back. Um, you know, Dewan Jones is a hell of an athlete. Uh, I think a lot of people think he is a starting wing back in this league, and the Revs for whatever reason, don't seem to do that. So if they are able to get a pretty good offer and get a um, decent amount of allocation money or something like that, and Moffla's working out, um, I mean, if Moffla looks like you're starting left back, I do think Dewan Jones is a little bit expendable because I think some other team will rate him higher than Bruce Arena. He has, he has a lot of speed. You know, I talked to, uh, I say I talked to you, I asked him a question on social media last year, uh, Andrew Farrell, and I asked him who the fastest player was on the team, and he was really quick to answer with Dewan Jones. Um, well, and we asked him last year, we had him on the podcast last year, and we asked him if he had a, ever had a faster teammate, and he said no. He said there was one guy, there was one guy in high school that might be faster, but... Um, Let's move on to some listener questions real quickly. TSB11 says, how many minutes for the young homegrowns will go to Kizza, Bell, Maciel, Rivera, Verfuth, uh, and Renix? Um, it's also should be noted that TSB11 asked us last year if over under 150 minutes for the young homegrowns. Uh, and I think, we, Seth, you and I both said they were going to go way over, uh, and they ended up getting 29 minutes. Uh, so I'll kind of combine them all together and say, how many minutes do you expect these players to get? And maybe point out one or two that you think uh, is going to get the most out of them. So, Chris, um, who who out of these young grown homegrowns do you think will get the most minutes, and how many minutes total do you think they'll get? <laughs> I, I don't think there's a lot of minutes necessarily for a, a lot of the younger guys. Um, it, there's so much depth right now with MLS veterans, uh, international players, uh, new signings that I, I can't see where any minutes are really going to be available. So you're going. You're, you think these are all pretty much spare parts, essentially. You don't see anyone breaking through. Not not this year, no. I think there's there's too much, um, you know, to the point that that Seth made earlier. Where, I mean, I guess you made it as well, Greg. That this is the time is now, and maybe maybe next year to go win a cup. And you know, for that reason, you know, Bruce brought in all all these uh, experienced players. Um, he's, you know, he's brought in some young guys as well, but. Unless there's any injuries or anything like that, I can't see any minutes really going um, to to any new homegrowns. Well, Seth, I'll go to you. Uh, you know, we talked about Bell and Massiel a little bit and the roles they might carve out on their team. Do you see any of the other, any of the four that I listed, Kizza, Rivera, Verfuth, Renex? Do you think any of them is going to be breaking into the team this year? No, I think that the, the two you mentioned, I think Bell could be someone who who's a spot starter. Or the other thing that you could see happen is, uh, Bruce Arena really liked to go to the the three center backs late in games if he was winning last year, and you saw that the, that role was uh, filled by Mancian, and he actually did pretty decent as a ball winner, um, you know, like trying to win those those head balls, and I think that um, Bell can be that individual. Again, it's, it's going to be so hard to get in that that game day eighteen because you imagine that um, that one of those spots is Dewan Jones if Mathis starting, and the other one's probably going to be AJ De La Garza. So those are already two defenders plus the goalkeeper. Now you're at 14, and I imagine the last four players are going to be more attacking-oriented. Um, so it would be really hard for Bell to get into that game day 18. He'd have to beat out um, De La Garza or, or one of those outside back positions, which he totally could because he himself is a natural left back. Uh, and then Ma- Maciel could, could be someone that's more calming presence. Maybe he ends up in a starting 11 type situation. Uh, Renix, I, I just – 
I think it's going to be really tough for him. I think that his chance was last year to really kind of show that he should be with the first team. I think right now he has to go prove it with the second team. Uh, Rivera, I like Rivera. Um, he has a, a goal against the, um, in the preseason uh, against LA Galaxy 2. Is that correct? Or was it the LA Galaxy first team? That he LA Galaxy 2. Yeah, Galaxy last Wednesday. Um, so I, but again, I, it's just going to be hard for him to break in. Verfuth, I think, had his opportunity to kind of prove that he was the guy and he didn't really look that sharp in the preseason game. So I think he dropped down the depth chart. And, and Kizza, uh, I, I think it goes Buxa. I think it goes uh, Bunbury. And then uh, I think that you're probably better off trying to get that guy minutes down at Revs 2, or maybe you, you find a championship game team to, to loan him to if you want a, a little bit higher of competition. So it's just, there's just too many, there's just too many more experienced guys to, to make up the 18 to see any of those guys definitely breaking through every single week. We did get another question from Mike Kennedy. Uh, does Buxa hit 10 plus goals this year? I think we all kind of took the over on your nine and a half there, Seth. So we, we, we unfortunately already asked that one. Uh, apology for not picking up on that question a little bit sooner. But uh, Rally's Revs fan asks us, who leads the team in goals this season? Uh, I'll start with that one. Uh, Seth, uh, is the answer Buxa or, or do you have a dark horse? Oh, man, I mean, you, you hope it's Buxa, right? I mean, he seems like the, the, the guy who has to be leaving, leading the front line. Uh, I think similar to we were talking back in the day about, you know, uh, Juan Fernando Casado, you want your striker to be on form if, you, if you're going to be a good team. Uh, so you hope that he has the most. Uh, Carlos Heal is an interesting uh, guy because he takes PKs. So obviously his numbers will increase. So if Buxa is not necessarily the sharpest, uh, he'll be there. And then Bo's obviously a guy who, who, who can score quite a bit if he's in form and if everyone's kind of allowing him to have space. Um, I, I think that the safe, you know, I'll go, I'm going to go with Carlos Heal just because, you know, I've been, been criticizing Buxa throughout the, the podcast. So for me to then pick him to also be the lead scorer, I just feel like I'm just like, you know, you know, kind of all over the place. Um, I think that Buxa could do it. I think he hopefully should do it if the Revs are going to be a, a contender in the East, but I'll go with Carlos Heal just because he's very good and he takes the PKs. Chris, let's hear you stand for Buxa. Go. It's, it's Adam Buxa. It- it has to be. I mean, I, I guess it doesn't have to be. I mean, last year it was Teal Bunbury. And if we're having Teal Bunbury, any other like second tier winger on the team, not that Bunbury is a second tier player, but in the depth chart, we're going to be in a lot of trouble again. Um, but no, I, I'm, I already said it. I think Buxa, the over under should sit somewhere around 15. as lo- That's where the expectations lie for me, at least. And if anyone else is getting more than 15, then we're going to have a really good year. I think Bo might be in the running a little bit just because he might be a little bit more free with heel and books on the field. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wouldn't be shocked to see Bo get to 10 or 12 uh, and kind of challenge uh, Buxa, but I don't know. It's a tough one. It, it, I, I could see either of them scoring 15 and I could see either of them getting, you know, six. I, so I do think be there's a chance that we have three 10 goal scorers this year. Very possible. Riley Rose fan also says, where and how does this team use Tayon Buchanan? Chris, I'll go to you real quickly. How do you think they're going to use him? Uh, depth, unfortunately. I think he provides so much to the team and he is such a spark. But I, again, I go back to I don't know where you're going to put him. So we were talking about where we're going to put the homegrown players. I don't know where to put Tejan Buchanan. Um, he deserves a starting spot somewhere. I just don't know where it is. I mean, we brought in Trostison. Maybe he's not panning out. Maybe maybe we they throw Tejan over on left wing. Um, 
maybe Brandon Baez not doing great at right back, but we know Bruce Arena is not planning to play Tejon at right back. He wants him to be an attacking presence. Um, I'd say he's going to be more of a super sub this year. No, I mean, that, that, that sounds pretty pretty spot on to me. I think it, it is interesting to think about week one. Uh, you know, Trostasin is obviously someone who has to quarantine and maybe get up to speed with the team. So maybe that's Buchanan's chance to kind of start for a little bit or claim claim uh, some minutes there. Um, it would be interesting to see if a team goes with Bunbury as the left midfielder over Buchanan. I think that would, would speak a lot about Buchanan's role with the team. Um, but, you know, at the very least, he's a guy who's going to provide a lot of energy um, off the bench. Uh, I would not want to be – I mean, the guy draws fouls, right? I mean, I would not mm-hmm. want to be a defender late in the game and seeing Tejan Buchanan come at you as – a left or right midfielder or even an attacking right back if they're really trying to push a ton of numbers forward. Uh, so I think that that's his role right now. But, you know, he, he's obviously talented, and it'll be interesting to see if other teams uh, try to trade for him. And they got Emma Boateng as well. So it's a, it's a crowded crowded field there as well. Well, let's let's move on to this real quickly because we did get a question on Twitter. Who do you think starts at left wing slash left midfield next weekend? Um, Seth, are, are you is that your prediction? You think Teal Bunbury gets the start there? Uh, sure, I'll go with Bunbury. I think that the you know, his pressing style, his experience might give him the edge over Buchanan. Buchanan comes off the bench, and maybe Boateng. I like Chris mentioning Boateng uh, being another option that can come off the bench. Uh, I'll, I'll go with. Teal Bunbury as the, the starting uh, left midfielder uh, for week one, although I can imagine Buchanan getting the start there as well. Yeah, I'm just going to be different. I'm going to say uh, Boateng gets it. He provides uh, a, a different element that a lot of the other, uh, I guess, wingers on the on the, on the the Rev- Revolution roster don't necessarily have. Um, I mean, he has pieces from what everyone else has. He has a lot of speed. He has a lot of pace. He has tenacity. It's much like a younger Bun- uh, Teal Bunbury. Uh, and he's got a, a real ability to cross the ball sometimes. So uh, I would like to see uh, to see Emma Boateng out there. Uh, we did get a question uh, as I'm reading these questions uh, by Napkinard on Twitter asked the left wing left midfield question. He also asked us uh, which revs which 2020 revs two player will get the most team minutes in 2021. And his bold prediction was that Maciel gets over a thousand minutes. Uh, with the first team this season. We already touched on the, the minutes question. Uh, it's between Bell and Maciel, I would say. Uh, I, I think Maciel gets the, the the nod for most team minutes. Um, I, I wouldn't go up to 1,000, though. I'd probably put it around 270. I'd say maybe three three full games, 300 minutes around there. Um, that, that's what I think his role is going to be. And as I say, I think he's going to might, might be eating up minutes earlier in the season uh, when there are some injuries and some players getting caught up to speed. But moving on. Uh, TSB 11 says who is getting left out of the starting 11. Um, my, my guess is we kind of feel like Tayon Buchanan might be the odd man out. Cause he is this kind of unique piece. Um, is that kind of what we're, we're feeling all the way around? You both predicted, um, someone else will be starting at left wing. So I imagine Tayon Buchanan is going to be the odd piece out of the starting lineup. Is, is that what's about right, Chris? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, um, uh, that's yes. Yes. Is all the way around. Yep. yep. All right. Moving on. Uh, Randy LH. What is our biggest strength or weakness that not everyone is already talking about? Seth, I'll go to you. What's no, what should we be talking about? Um, you know, so obviously just, just real quick, Turner's a strength, heels a strength. Um, those are all the obvious ones. I think that the wingbacks, I think the wingbacks are the strength that probably people don't talk about enough that um, Brandon by on his best day when he's getting forward because Carlos heel came in He's able to hit that early ball in, and that's really dangerous. I think on the left-hand side, Mafla could possibly be that individual. 
Uh, and if not, Dewan Jones is really quick getting up forward uh, and getting numbers in those spots. So I think that that's a strength. Uh, and I think that, you know, Kessler, hopefully Kessler has another solid year because the way he reads the game um, is, is pretty, pretty impressive. Um, and I think that that's a strength to kind of to think about like that, that that back line who was absolutely dreadful under Brad Friedel um, is pretty solid. And they had some pretty long stre- uh, stretches last year where they were showing that. I think that's a really big question if, if you know, Kessler can continue his, his progression um, because that's huge. And if he can't, then the depth really comes into question there. So I think right now we can label it as a strength, but uh, you do want to wonder if there's going to be some sort of, you know, sophomore slump when it comes to them. I don't think so, but it's possible. Yeah. If you want to look at weaknesses, uh, what I'm thinking is, is passing. I was saying it when I was watching the, uh, the preseason matches so far, all I've been wanting to see is passing. Cause I feel like that's something, you know, passing in possession is something that the revolution have struggled with over the years a lot. Um, they can string together maybe two or three real good passes, but then it always seems to fizzle out. Um, they can't seem to maintain possession while still passing it around and creating runs and creating uh, opportunities for other players. And now they're going to be bringing in a lot of new players, potentially. Um, I think there's been five or six new additions to the first team this year that all might be seeing first team minutes. Um, so it's going to be a, a lot of a lot of new chemistry to, to develop. And we still need to make sure that we're getting the passes on point. Um, you know, hopefully with, with Carly's heel back, we don't have to worry about that as much. Just get the ball in his feet and let him dance around. But that's been one of the things that I've always been looking for is is what what runs are we making? What passes are we making? Are we making the smart decisions? And that seems to that's that's an area of weakness that I don't feel necessarily has been improved upon. Yeah, and kind of building off of that, if you want a weakness that not a lot of people are talking about, you know, if Carlos Hill goes down. What's the answer? We didn't have an answer last year. I, I think it's Captoom, but we don't know. So I, I, I think there is a, I mean, it's kind of something you can't really address losing a best, you know, MLS 11 player. Um, but I, I think there is no heel insurance necessarily. Uh, and that's a little bit concerning. In terms of the biggest strength, one guy that I don't think we really ever talk about anymore, Teal Bunbury, scored eight goals last year. Um, you know, can play on the wing, can play striker. Um, you know, people are talking about him like he's an afterthought. And he, he you know, he, he's been pretty consistent over the years. Uh, he, he's found ways to get on the score sheet and, and contribute to the team. So I'm not really sure how he fits into the team's plans, but he will. Uh, he will some somehow, whether it's spot starts or coming off the bench or, or whatever. I, I, I'm, we'll be here next year talking about Teal Bunbury somehow finding a way to score seven or eight goals. Uh, so I, I think Teal Bunbury deserves a shout for uh, consistently kind of finding his way into the Revolution's plans, and I'm not sure how he will, but he will. Uh, Chandler Hutchinson says, what is Captoom's ceiling in this midfield, and who would be the best midfield partners for him? We talked about the midfield partners a little bit uh, in, in the podcast. So, Chris, I'm, I'm going to go to you about Captoom's ceiling uh, and what you're expecting. Yeah, I mean, a ceiling, is it's it's so hard to, to really say what a ceiling could be because all we've really seen is – um, some clips of what he's done over in Spain. Um, so I, I'm not sure if I can really answer that because we don't really know how good he can be. I mean, I, I don't expect him to be a DP level player, but I think maybe if you want me to just like create some sort of scenario, I would say you know he'd be a, a TAM level player um, sort of production out of him, con- controlling the midfields. But you were going to say something, sorry. I, I was going to say, you think he's going to fill in kind of an eight role? Like, do you think he'll yes. be able to yes. fill in that spot consistently? He'll be the starting central midfielder by the end of the year. You, you give him that? Yeah, I think I think he could do that and maybe a little bit more, you know. Um, 
uh, make a name for himself around MLS. That's probably um, that's probably his ceiling. And then you know his partner. I think it has to be Polster. Um, two separate playing styles. Uh, Captoom is a really small guy. I'm a I'm really big on putting height on your team, um, especially with a lot of aerial duels going on. And uh, Polster is a physical guy, uh, whereas Captoom is more of um, you know the the tiki taka. I'm gonna beat you with skill type of guy. Um, Polster is a bigger bigger presence, and y- you need that. Um, so I, I, you know, I see Polster as a six, Captoom as an eight. Seth, uh, what is Captoom ceiling in your opinion? Yeah, that's what I see it as. I mean, I, I think that Captoom is brought in to be that technical guy um, that can distribute the ball, that can win tackles. I mean, it's just it's so hard to to know when we haven't seen him at all. Um, so I, I think you have to leave it as a high ceiling and hope that he probably pairs with a, a Polster, um, and that ends up being a pretty strong. Uh, defensive midfielder paling, but having not seen him play an MLS preseason game, um, it's hard for me to say for sure. Yeah, I was going to say, without even any preseason games, um, we're kind of going in blind. So hopefully Captoon kind of fills in that eight spot, uh, but we'll, we'll see. Time will tell. Uh, one more question here, Robert uh, Cavalier, or Chavalier, sorry. Uh, will Henry Kessler get a date with the Revs model? Uh, for those of you not on Twitter, uh, the Revs released some new uh, material, some merch, uh, and Henry Kessler commented, I think on Instagram, asking for the model's uh, Instagram handle uh, and found it and started following her. So uh, this was actually going to be my bold prediction that, yes, he does get a date uh, and they're official uh, by the end of the season. But alas, Robert ruined my, that, uh, that, that turn for me. So, uh, Chris, uh, how do you feel about Kessler scoring a date with this girl? I think he's got good chances, man. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! I didn't. I, I I only grazed through the questions. I want them to be a little bit green. I didn't even see this one when I was looking through the list. So this caught me totally off guard. That's uh, that's so funny. Seth, how you feeling about our boy Henry? Dude, King Cass, I love it. I'm all about it. Uh, he could rival um, Matt Turner and, and his girlfriend as the power couple uh, at, at Foxborough. So Matt Polster's yeah. got that too. They got the YouTube. They could all go on triple dates. Oh yeah, wasn't Matt Polster's uh, girlfriend featured in in the the, the Irish tabloids or or something like that? His wife, Scottish. Think, yeah. Scottish. Matt Polster, Revolution recap guest. So I don't want to talk about his wife too much, but yes, she was in the <laughs> English tabloids uh, a fair amount. But yeah, they could all go on triple dates. Uh, you know, very excited for Henry. Henry's a very confident man, and girls like confidence. At least that's what I'm told. So you know, uh, I, I I I'm all in. I'm rooting for him. I, I think, and, and if it doesn't work out, the revolution should do like the bachelor with Henry Kessler where the revs fans, they could make a whole like social media thing. You know what I mean? I, 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 I think we need to get uh, Henry a girlfriend by the end of the season. Is he going to hand out a ball every time? Instead, That's, of, a instead of a rose, you mean? Yes. Just cause he's a defender doesn't mean he can't shoot a shot, you know? Uh, other news before we wrap up here today, uh, Jeff Laurentowitz retired. You know, former Revolution player, two-time MLS Cup winner, uh, Superliga winner. You know, obviously very, very accomplished. And I was actually thinking the other day, it would be really fun to interview Jeff Laurentowitz. It, it would be very, very nice. And so I want to kind of play a game with our listeners that if you have like a question that you've ever wanted to ask Jeff Laurentowitz, you should email us at revolutionrecap at gmail 
or, or you can DM, DM us on Twitter at Revolution Recap. Just send us your hypothetical questions for Jeff Laurentiewicz by, say, noon on Monday, uh, and, and just to see what type of questions you would have for Jeff Laurentiewicz. Uh, you know, that's just a little fun game that, you know, if we ever did interview Jeff Laurentiewicz, say, you know, I don't know, like next Monday afternoon, we could ask him that. So again, revolutionrecap at gmail.com or DM us at Revolution Recap. Just a fun little game. Just I kind of thought about off the top of my head. But yeah, if that ever happens, that'd be cool. Yeah, that'd be that'd be very cool if that hypothetically happened. Yeah. Um, other news, the Revolution moving to CBS Boston, no longer on MSN. Uh, and NBCSN. Thank you. Thank you. Saving me. Got saving it. me. Uh, hopefully we got a post game show on CBS, but I'm not holding my breath. Uh, also, oh, also uh, for those of you in Maine, I'm sorry. Uh, you're joining ESPN plus like the rest of us out of towners. So uh, Trustson has received his visa. As we said, he'll be in the U S this weekend. He will be quarantining for seven days. So he might be available for the home order, but that is unknown. Uh, and then the revs two season is starting uh, tomorrow. That is Saturday, the 10th, the 10th uh, and also uh, Sean O'Hearn uh, left back out of Georgetown who was drafted by Minnesota United seems to be back with revolution too. Uh, so not sure if he'll be playing tomorrow night, but uh, he is back with the team. It doesn't seem like he has a, reached an agreement with Minnesota. So he'll be a big addition to the USL side. Final thoughts, Seth, anything you want to shout outs or anything you wanted to talk about before we leave today? Yeah. Uh, just say something about Jeff Laurentowitz. Uh, first of all, what a fun little game you guys have going on. I, just, I would love to just see what, what comes of that game. Uh, I, I would love to see a lot of questions. I'm, I'll let you know. If you have any questions, you can also email us at revolutionrecap at gmail.com. Just saying. I email you every week, but I'll, I'll definitely ask a question this week. Um, I think that Jeff Lewentowitz, just one thing I used to love about him is just that when he, he would take free kicks and he would just nail that ball, like this low, hard-driven ball, and it was just really uh, old school and, and always kind of fun to, to see him take those free kicks. Besides that, you know, I, I look forward to the, the revolution season. Uh, life gets busy, so I'm not writing quite as much. Uh, but the Ben Musket, uh, Sam Minton's doing a really good job as the site manager. Uh, and there's lots of guys over there that are writing, and I'll, I'll kind of pop up uh, here or there. Uh, but certainly I'll be on Twitter and, and trying to interact with individuals. Um, you know, I'm really, really glad that Carl Sutherland was able to join the podcast today. Uh, I know he's really shy, uh, so he didn't really feel like sharing his thoughts. Uh, but hopefully next week he's willing to kind of jump in and, and have a few thoughts. Maybe he'll join the, the interview with Jeff Lewentowitz if it were to happen. Uh, but thank you, Carl, for being part of the uh, podcast today. Yeah, I didn't introduce him because I didn't want to embarrass him, but he is here. Uh, he's actually chatting. If you heard some noises, like some notifications, that I had to mute him uh, earlier, but he, he had a lot of thoughts about Maciel on the first team, but he just didn't want to say it out loud on the podcast. But thank you, Carl, for being here. Chris, uh, any final thoughts before we wrap up today? No, not a whole lot. I mean, look, we got we got – actual soccer competitive matches coming up and that's just uh i'm buzzing because it's been it's been far too long and we'll actually have some stuff to talk about um you know we could start doing these podcasts a bit more regularly and uh as much as i love doing the player interviews i love getting to talk to them uh it's going to be a lot of fun to talk about real matches and, w- and one thing too i want to just talk about jeff laurentowitz is that he was one player that i thought would play forever it's like jeff laurentowitz tom brady like bartolo cologne yadimir yager like he was in that like class of players that just in my mind was going to play for the next 50 years um and i guess he's not that old i think he's 38 or something like that 37 um, it's just another sign i'm I'm getting old and you know time is passing me by it's just kind of that's one of those names that i just think you you never really expected to see uh retire but um, obviously a very very accomplished career and fingers crossed that maybe someday we can get him on the podcast maybe who knows uh guys what's your twitter handles uh seth did you give your twitter handle already seth 
I forget. Uh, at Sethman31. And follow the Bent Musket at the Bent Musket. Chris, uh, where can people find you online? Yeah, find me at Revs Revolt. I'm on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. I think I'm on TikTok or something too. It's all at Revs Revolt. And then uh, if you just want to find me personally, I'm at Chris Valukas on Twitter. K-R-I-S-V-A-L-U-K-I-S. And you can follow us at Revolution Recap on Twitter. And please also like our Revolution Recap Facebook page. You can also send us an email at Revolution Recap. Uh, at gmail.com at any questions with your questions or comments, potentially for Jeff Lorenowitz by Monday at noon, who knows? And if you have not already, please rate and review our podcast on iTunes or wherever you are listening. We will be back next weekend to discuss the season opener against the Chicago Fire. Although, again, you never know. We might have, like, I don't know, like an interview or something, like, say, Monday night or Tuesday morning. Either way, we'll be back. <laughs> Thank you for listening, and go Revs. <laughs>